0: In the upcoming fourth quarter of the year, President Yoon's diplomatic balancing act will be put further to the test, beginning with how should Korea address the contentious IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act put forth by the U.S. to clearly counter rising Chinese influence. Is the nationalistic policy a natural progression in tackling the global supply chain reshuffle? What roles do the upcoming congressional election in the U.S. and the 20th Party Congress in October for China have on the impending issue? We're joined by Professor Kim Byung-ju of the Hankook University of Foreign Studies for some clarification. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. Hope you enjoyed a lovely Chuseok holiday. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks.
0: All right, let's jump into the deep end of these waters. Korea faces increasingly difficult situation between the U.S. and China in this global supply chain reshuffling process. As we've talked about already on the program with you, there is the contentious IRA. How do we best describe this challenge, particularly actions that has uh, been taken by the United States?
1: Yeah, uh, IRA is the talk to town at this point, and it's it's filling up the Korea's uh, news headlines at this point. But uh, let's, uh, before we address those questions, uh, that question particularly, but let's take a, a little bit of a step back here and let's look at the bigger picture. And we have to be reminded the, the overall dynamics that we are seeing today has actually started about, let's say, seven, eight years ago, Uh uh, uh since the beginning of Xi Jinping's coming to power, after a few years after his coming to power, China has began to make it clear that uh, China from then on was not going to be the same China that the world has come to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, China that had actually cooperated with the world, offering uh, their country as a market to world businesses mm-hmm. and their country as a market for production and so on. But uh, after two, three years, uh, about two years of Xi Jinping, uh, you know, they declared that China is going to no longer be the same kind of China that the world has come to know, as I said. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we remember is 2015, China announced a plan called uh, Made in China 2025 plan. Mm -hmm. And as we discussed earlier in this program before, that plan announces that China is going to actually produce everything, develop everything, produce everything that are important for the future entirely within their own country. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the starting point where the whole world uh, became uh, alarmed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was EU Chamber of Commerce that acted first when that report came out saying, uh, this is going to be a disaster for the world economy. The world economy has been operating based on the global division of labor and the globalization the whole idea rests upon the idea that the national borders will be open and we will have uh, you know like different sites of production for example uh, auto manufacturing there could be several countries involved in producing one unit of car mm. tire paint mm. uh, steel engine and all these things and that has been the mode of production during the time of globalization but china declared that that era actually has uh, is going to be ending that came out 2015. And since then, you know, the countries uh, began reacting. And of course, on the side of the United States, uh, there have been uh, uh, backlash from Mm. globalization as well. Those uh, workers who have been left out Mm. in the process of globalization, while people on the Wall Street amassed a tremendous amount of money. Uh, These uh, low-level skilled workers in the United States, they have been uh, left out and they aligned with uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump came in and said, look, uh, let's make uh, America great again. And and uh, based on his supporters, uh, you know, uh, desire and situation and and dissatisfaction, he began countering this China's action. That was the whole uh, the beginning of the process. So mm-hmm. we have to keep that picture clearly in mind, you know, talk about United States actions now. To get to your question of United States actions, uh, mm-hmm. before we get to uh, Inflation Reduction Act, also a few days before that, uh, U.S. passed a law called the Chips and Science Act, mm-hmm. and uh, it has a funny name. When they call it Chips and Science Act, Chips is spelled uh, the with the capital letters, mm-hmm. and so people often ask why is Chips in capital letters. It has a funny name. It's a uh, and what chips means creating helpful incentives for the production of semiconductors. <laughs> so <laughs> they worked hard on uh, come up with this interesting abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Chips and Science Act uh, came into place, and now uh, this Chips and Science Act is the whole idea behind it is to to increase production of semiconductors within the United States. Mm-hmm. And that creates some headache for Korea oh. because, uh, as we know, Samsung Electronics and then SK Hynix, they both have large, large size of uh, production facilities inside China. Mm-hmm. So now with this large size of production facilities uh, being added on, and uh, I mean, in addition to what SK Hynix has in Wuxi area, for instance, uh, uh, SK Hynix recently agreed to buy... Uh, Intel's Darren uh, Darren site of NAND production site. And as Intel U.S. semiconductor maker is pulling out of China, Mm -hmm. SK Hynix decided to buy their facilities. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like going against the current tide. And uh, of course, SK Hynix must have their own calculations behind it. But Mm -hmm. with the Chips and Science Act being in place and signed and entering into effect, August 9th, uh, semiconductor makers of Korea now faces a real trouble because if they want to continue to maintain their market in the United States, they will have to somehow reduce uh, their their presence in, in China. So that's mm. challenge, big challenge coming up. Mm. And uh, the Inflation Reduction mm-hmm. Act, IRA, people like my generation, when we hear IRA, we often think about, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm an old timer. I guess I am. But IRA means Irish uh, Irish Republican Army, <laughs> 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 the island terrorist group. So IRA, but IRA means Inflation Reduction Act. Right. Uh, by the way, uh, Irish Republican Army was very active during the 80s. Uh, you know when there was a. Lots of resistance and and terrorism in Northern Ireland.
0: But anyway, for
1: our audience, just curious. IRA, IRS, uh, Inflation Mm -hmm. Reduction Act, the name is still misleading. uh, (laughs) Because uh, in big part, while Chips and Science Act was about semiconductor, IRA is about batteries and electric vehicles, as we discussed last week in this program. Uh, what Inflation Reduction Act, it does many different things, but among the things that, that affects Korea is that that in, in uh, for the battery industry, they are going to uh, place limits on businesses that use China-originated uh, input material. Mm-hmm. So, so if you buy lots of stuff from China to make your batteries, yeah. uh, your business in Korea will be, in the United States will be, uh, limited based on this IRA, mm. and uh, even bigger problem is electric uh, vehicles. As we discussed last week, uh, under IRA, U.S. government will provide not uh, as much as seventy-five hundred U.S. dollars per vehicle mm. per electric vehicle when United States uh, buyers buy electric vehicle, mm. but only those EVs that are finally assembled and produced in the United States. Mm-hmm. And what that means is for Korean. EV makers like Hyundai-Kia, right. uh, they face the trouble until 2025 because Hyundai-Kia will be finishing up their Georgia plant mm. of EVs mm. by 2025. From then, they can produce these EVs and sell in the United States and enjoy the benefits of this uh, subsidy of $7,500 per vehicle. But but up to that point, for the next about two three years, uh, Hyundai-Kia EVs, sold in the United States will be, at least if they're all the same kind of cost basis, it will be $7,500 more expensive than U.S. made EVs. So some people say Ford is going to have their field day. They're going to really enjoy Mm -hmm. this thing while Hyundai and Kia are going to be losing their market share of Mm -hmm. this very important, uh, you know, segment, EV segment. So that's a real headache and real problem real challenge that Korea faced right at this
0: point that's also a time-sensitive issue if we think about it long-term goals may differ from the short-term ripple effects of a contentious IRA uh, directly right. impacts the EV and the battery market in South Korea not just limited to South Korea right as we discussed mm-hmm. parts mm-hmm. of the EU and Japan has also voiced uh, right. that it's discriminatory against other EV makers chips mm-hmm. and science act at the semiconductor industry so how is Korea handling Handling These challenges proposed by the US.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, EU and Japan. And yeah. of course, it's a natural uh, strategy to come up with. When you're in trouble, uh, you find alliance, uh, right. other partners to work with. And e- EU and Japan are natural alliance partners. But the thing is, Korea is number two EV, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, seller? In the uh, world. Uh, in, in the U.S. Market.
0: In the United States market. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: because I guess Tesla would be number one and mm. Kia would be number two. So uh, the trouble that Korea faces is that uh, EU makers and Japanese makers of EVs, they don't face as much of a big trouble. Mm. That means their participation in this alliance or collective action may be limited. Korea is the one that faces real trouble and uh, the, the, the magnitude of trouble is lesser as smaller and not as serious for you for european and japanese makers so there is that dilemma having said that um in terms of uh, answering your question what korea has done so far Mm -hmm. uh the korea's minister of trade industry and energy came out saying korea will take this case to the wto saying this is a a violation of wto rules Mm -hmm. and uh, national assembly uh produced a uh you know the the What do you call it? The the board, all the parties at the National Assembly, they unanimously produced a resolution, actually, Mm -hmm. raising concerns about U.S. action against, you know, Korean EVs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, ambassador, Korean ambassador to, to the United States came out saying that Korea is doing what he can, what he can in Washington, you know, to counter this. And Korea's prime minister also came out expressing concerns and talking about what the Korean government is going to be doing. And uh, the minister for trade himself uh, has been in Washington uh, for the past few days, and he's been having meetings with USTR and National Economic Council and so on. And So Korea is very, Korean government is very busy to to try to do what it can to, to counter this problem. One trouble is, Uh, U.S. November election. Um, Biden government clearly has November election in mind and and they are not in the position to show any action to accommodate Korean uh, demand or Korean situation before the November election. So that's a tricky part. Can we wait until November? Some people Uh. say we should. Uh, Then there will be some modification after that. Uh, uh, You know, so hopeful people, hopeful thinking people say that. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. But until November, it will be very difficult to expect a real change.
0: So it would be difficult to amend the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, at least in the short term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the big alliances being formed as a result of these U.S. Action, how do we categorize them?
1: Uh, You know, they're going beyond U.S. actions, yeah. bilateral actions, and then troubles that Korea is facing. This is a bigger picture question. What kind of economic uh, or industrial uh, industry alliances are being formed? That's a very important question. Mm. And in answering that, we are being reminded that actually what Biden government is doing is not the first thing. And in reaction to China's uh, initiation that, that I mentioned before mm. Trump came out with this idea of working with countries it was called economic prosperity network EPN uh, economic prosperity network that idea was introduced at the beginning of uh, 2020 uh, before its November presidential election about you know about close to one year ahead of time we re- uh, running for re-election Donald Trump introduced this idea of alliance of trusted partners kind of uh, countries coming together to to counter China. Uh, Australia, India, Japan, uh, New Zealand, Vietnam, and South Korea. So uh, six uh, friends of the United States and Mm -hmm. um, uh, United States uh, combined, seven countries working together. That idea was proposed, but the thing is Trump lost his election and they didn't have much time. And besides, biggest liability on Trump's side was that he was never for kind of international cooperation. Yeah. So <laughs> he could not win right. uh, hearts and mind of the uh, you know, allies. He was always against the allies. And all of a sudden he said, we want to work with allies. And then, you know, people mm. t- didn't take it very seriously. But when Biden came in and he began talking about these ideas, they were more uh, plausible and carried more weight. And as a result of Biden's uh, effort, or the time since his inauguration. We saw, for example, May this year we saw the the initiation of uh, you know the IPF, Indo Pacific Economic Framework. Mm. And this is the 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 idea of different countries working together also. It doesn't spe- specifically mentioning uh, China, but they're talking about fair and resilient trade. What that means is stable, resilient network, right? So mm. so not um, less affected by geopolitical uncertainty. What that means is a similar idea as EPN that Trump uh, proposed, excluding China. And they're talking about uh, specifically also not only trade, but supply chain resilience. Mm. And in addition to that, they're talking about infrastructure, clean energy and decarbonization, and all these things working together, and uh, this uh, IPEF Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, this includes as many as fourteen members. So mm-hmm. that's a big alliance that the United States has succeeded at least initiating. Mm-hmm. How far it will go, how much uh, you know specific result it will produce—that's uh, in uh, that's question that still needs to be questioned going forward. But it was a considerable success in terms of. Uh, initiating the idea, uh. so that's IPEF. And then another one, we of course we are very mindful is uh, something that happened this past uh, this this past month, August, Shift Four. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Shift Church Four Alliance, right? Right. It tells us it's about semiconductor and right. four countries. And yes, it's uh, South Korea, United States, Japan, and Taiwan working together mm. in order to uh, secure stable uh production and supply of semiconductors and as we recall there has been much debate about whether korea should join chip 4 or not but at the end there was a consensus formed inside korea saying we don't have any other choice Mm. because while china's market is important currently the number says china takes up about 60 percent of korea's chips produced but the Mm. thing is united states controls the patents and equipment for the production. So if you look at long-term interest, short-term interest will be uh, fear of losing China's market that accounts 60% Mm. of Korea's entire global sales. But long-term prospect is about technology. And and on that side, United States has a big stake. So we cannot let the long-term concern go uh, away. Uh, We cannot sacrifice long-term interest for the sake of short-term interest. So Mm. uh, I guess the consensus was that we had to join G4 and Korea Mm. did. And so Mm. uh, we'll have to wait and see how it goes. So those are alliances, uh, you know, IPEF and the G4.
0: Professor Kim, I clearly underestimated how much time we would need on this topic, and so mm-hmm. I do have to ask you to go take us to our last question, perhaps of your choice, but I, mm-hmm. I do believe because we're setting up a great framework for this discussion, we can further talk about uh, some variables to expect with China and the United States in our coming mm-hmm. segments. But mm-hmm. m- maybe our sixth question, I think that's a nice way to wrap up. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the major perspectives as a Korean government should keep in mind going forward?
1: Yeah. Uh, Korean government and Korean businesses together need to think about uh, what the key variables are in dealing with China and the United States here together. And uh, often, you know, when we debate about China, for instance, there are two different perspectives existing. One is that we have to get along with China because China is going to remain stable, big, supersized, fast-growing market. Uh, those assumptions, will China remain actually as a big, super supersized, stable, fast-growing market or not? That needs to be seriously examined, whether that this assumption is correct or not. It may be, may, it may, may not be correct. And also, uh, the other scenario for China, uh, you know, considering China's aspirations, And then Korea's experience for the last several years, for instance, what we suffer, uh, you know, in terms of the form of thought retaliation, what China can do to Korea and how China behaves towards Korea. And if Korea stays with China, how would it affect Korea's reputation in the rest of the world? And how would it affect Korea's image in terms of projecting Korea's long term uh interests so Mm -hmm. on china side we uh, the government and uh, the business and the society together needs to think about what korea really wants it's in its relationship with china and the united states Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. there is a a two different perspective one group says oh united states is so important we have to stay with Mm -hmm. it uh, no matter what the thing is may may not be wise choice we may actually have to think about best and worst scenarios. best scenario, we don't have to worry about it. Uh, You know, strongly supportive United States, supporting Korea all the way, remaining internationalist, uh, cooperative, that's great. We don't have to do anything Mm. on that side. But, uh, even though there are different views about what's going to happen in you know, U.S. politics, there are ups and downs, and some people say Trump is going to come back. Mm. Republicans will win big time this November. Uh, no matter how likelihood that would be, instead of second guessing it, we have to be prepared for the worst scenario. Mm. That would be uh, Republican controlling the U.S. Congress, very nationalistic, Mm. and then Trump coming back um, very nationalistic. In that case, how are we going to deal with it? Mm. Uh, So we have to be prepared for the worst case for the United States as well, and that's what we meaning Korean government, uh, Korean business, and Korean society together will have to deal with. Mm. Uh, in international relations, there is never a uh, eternal friend or eternal enemy. <laughs> and we have to be always prepared. <laughs> we have to hope for the best, but really be prepared for the worst. So we have to think hard. What's the worst case scenario for China? What's the worst scenario for United States? Mm. And in those worst scenarios combined together... What should Korea do, prepare to do, you know, to deal with those challenges at the end of the day? And, and of course, there has to be division of labor between government and business. But mm. in this technology, high advanced high-tech technology issues, uh, more than ever before, it is the business that knows the best in terms mm. of what's good for them. And in these uh, semiconductor EV industries and so on, what's good for Korea's business is what, and what's good for Korea as a whole. So, Business has to be active and uh, vigilant, and they have to have active communication with the government. And that's the way. That's the best way to deal with, uh, you know, promote the national interest together. This time, when we saw the EV trouble in the United States for Korean EVs as a result of uh, IRA, I saw some points that seems to be lagging and lacking on the side of Korean business. The way they have handled. In this case, and I certainly want to see improvement going forward on that respect.
0: Mm. I I think uh, there's a lot to be said here. We just uh, created a framework for further discussions down the line. Professor Kim, thank you very much. No eternal friend, no eternal foe. But to us, you're an eternal friend. Thank you very much. (laughs) We'll speak to you again next week.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much.